G'day, Kate from the Narrate team here. Adam wraps up what has been a very insightful series, One But Two, with great message on adventure and dynamics in relationship. Hi. I think next time we're going back to series videos. <clears throat> so what, what I want to wrestle with this morning as we wrap up this conversation called One But Two is uh, that life is dynamic. Uh, and, and if I could just kind of give you my thesis, if you will, this, just to start it off, because we're going to come at it from a bunch of angles and you might figure out, like, what, have this point of like, what are we talking about? I guess I want to just get you thinking about this. And that is, for you, is, is marriage still above everything else? Uh, is it still capturing the fact that you signed up to share the adventure of life with somebody else? Like, ha- have you embraced that the, the original desire was to step into the dynamic reality of life and to say, I just want to experience all of that with this other? So if you've not been with us, we, we've been in a series called One But Two, and we've explored s- several things thus far, and that's kind of where we want to land. But first, uh, I, and this might surprise you, I really love my routines. That stood out to me again this week. I know that's shocking. But I, I, and, and those of you are like, yeah, you're one of those. You love yours too. If I, I have this argument with my wife, uh, it's just that you don't have a routine, which is a routine, if you know what I mean. Like, so if those of you are like, I don't need routines, like that is your routine is that you don't have routines. So it's all relative. We're, it's a level playing field here. And there's some elbowing happening because I can see that there's this dynamic in your relationship as well. It's, so we, we could have that philosophical discussion later. Uh, but, but what happened to me was, I, I, I know like a lot of you, I've had to work really hard over the last several years to just figure out how, how to rest and recover from the other six days. And, uh, you know, you, you get to this place in life and you're working hard and you're giving lots of energy and you're moving forward and you got the job or and whatever it is, you, you got the degree, wherever it is that you're going, however it is that you're moving forward. And then at some point, sometimes it happens in high school, sometimes in your 20s, sometimes in your 30s, sometimes beyond that, but at some point you realize that, that the output is greater than the input, and if the input doesn't become better, then the output will become your downfall, if you know what I mean. And so you figure out, like, what are the rhythms with which I recover from the week? Are you with me? That's Monday for me. That's, that's my day off. And I've worked really hard over the last several years to figure out Monday. And, and I, the ideal Monday, I love it. Love that routine. And this last Monday was one of those where I woke up, and the moment I woke up, I realized, I actually knew before I went to bed, not going to be one of those Mondays. Uh, first of all, I knew the first thing I like to do is go for this very long, multi-hour run, and I realized that uh, I, somehow I ended up with a groin injury. I think it's because I'm getting old, because I went and played baseball with my sons, and I actually swung the bat, and the next day I felt like I couldn't walk, so... That's exciting. So I, I knew that when I woke up on Monday that I was going to get to go for a run, but it was going to be one of those where it felt like there was Rambo's knife in my pelvis with every step. And so I would go, but it would be a short duration run. I also knew that I had to be back at the house at 10 a.m. because it was the last week of school. And if you have kids in elementary school, then they graduate from every grade now. Have you noticed that? Like every semester, every grade, every day. And so I knew that I had to be to the school by 1030 for a program. And then there's this lunch barbecue thing. And then there's another program. And next thing you know, it's like whoever decided to end school early on Mondays, I I would love to have a conversation with them because it's 215 on Mondays or is it 230? I don't know. So anyway, so I knew that I was going to spend the bulk of my day at the school, which is good and not good all at the same time, if you know what I mean. And then 
You know, sometimes you look ahead to your week and you're like, okay, baseball practice, baseball practice, baseball practice, there are no evenings, and you got this long list of errands. Do you know that feeling? And so suddenly Monday's out the door because you realize that when you're not doing those other things, you're, you, some of it's work stuff, some of it's personal stuff. And then to add to all of that, at about 1 o'clock, I, got, I also had to work on my car, which that's the worst, right? And, and then to add to all that, I, I got word at around one, about 1 o'clock that, that a very dear friend of mine and my family's, his, his brother had unexpectedly died over the weekend. And so I spent Monday afternoon with them and with the family, and which, of course, that was a, a privilege. But finally, I got home at 9 o'clock on Monday, and it didn't feel like 9 o'clock on Monday. It felt like 9 o'clock on Friday or Saturday in my world. And it wasn't that I was uh, bitter towards the day, but I was just tired and I was kind of angry and I kind of just wanted to go to bed. But there was that sense of like, oh man, it's for me Monday tomorrow, it's Tuesday tomorrow. And, and I woke up the next morning and I limped through what, because if you know injuries, then you deny it for the first several stages, right? So I went for one more run, confirmed in fact that I am injured. And I was about uh, two miles from being done with that. And I had this question and listen, I don't hear audible voices from God. I'm kind of freaked out by people who, who do. But what I love about God and his Holy Spirit and the scriptures and the way things work and God directs and steers is sometimes there is an impression that I can't explain where it came from. Do you have that experience? And, and I guess that's faith, is choosing that it wasn't pizza the night before, but that it was the God of the universe trying to guide and direct my life. And that's just kind of how that works. And the question was this. It was, hey, Adam, uh, at what point does your need for recreation and rest and recovery prove unhealthy? In other words, to use spiritual language, at what point does it become an idol? Because what I realized is, as I, and you know how you unpack things over several minutes and it takes even longer to talk about them, but what I, what I felt confronted by the Lord on was, uh, Adam, get over yourself. Like I was full of a healthy measure of self-pity and was feeling sorry of woe me and how busy I am and how tired I am and it's Tuesday and I didn't get to rest. And there was a sense of, hey, Adam, have you flipped the script because it wasn't very many years ago where you discovered God and his purposes and vocation and family and life. And what happens is you got really, really busy and then someone had to slow you down and go, wait a minute, this isn't sustainable. You got to figure out how to also do these other things that actually kind of replenish the tanks. And are you now at the place where you're not living your life for the six, but you're living it for the one? Like, is your joy now locked up in those few things you get to do on Monday and not those six days of, of purpose? vocation, the busyness and all that happens with life. Do you know what I mean? I guess the conversation for me was, hey, Adam, is your joy now located in God's purposes and calling? And I'm not trying to hyper-spiritualize it. You can all relate, work and family and all the things that at 18 years old or whatever, sometime back there, like that was the dream and now you're in the dream and now suddenly what happens? Well, the dream becomes the next thing and it becomes the recreation. And there was this challenge of Adam, what's the prize is the prize these few hours on a Monday? Are you living for that one time a week that you get to do this thing? Or is that about recovering? It, it, it reminds me, the other place my brain went was when, when Jesus said to his guys, like, guys, uh, my, my food is to do the will of God. And yeah, we can, we can over-spiritualize that, and that's how we spiritualize things like burnout, but you can also go the other direction, and suddenly you are in this place where where you do what you have to do, but you really live for these few hours on the day off. And it was in that whole conversation, I, like many of you, am working through N.T. Wright's thoughts and commentary on the New Testament, and, and I'm in Romans right now, 
And in 610, it just bounced off the page. Paul, of course, is this, this original church leader, pioneer of the early church, and he's writing to these, these Jewish followers of Jesus in Rome, and he says to them in 610, the death he died, speaking of Jesus, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. And I think for me the question was, okay, Adam, in your pursuit of balance, have you actually stopped living your life for God and now you're living it just for these few select moments? Does, does that make any relatable sense to you? Now probably you're going, but it doesn't make anything to have anything to do with like one but two and there's this question of what does this have to do with one but two? This morning actually I want to convince you that it has everything to do with one but two. That if we're not careful, we make marriage into something entirely different than what it was originally supposed to be about. See, we started this conversation by talking about oneness and the fact that oneness can be misunderstood, that when there's healthy oneness, there's also healthy separateness. And and I've heard from many of you just these subtle shifts that you're making in the rhythms of your marriage that are confirming, like, wait, wait, wait a minute, we don't have to completely lose self in the relationship. Last week, we talked about exclusivity. And, and, and the responsibility to, to protect this unique relationship. I guess this morning I want to ask the question, why oneness? Now, again, and I said this last week, but I think it's important. If you're single and you can't even picture being married, if we're not careful, we, we create this picture that says, like, you're an incomplete person if you're not. And, and to be sure, the Bible talks about, like, singleness as its own unique gift. So I'm not implying that. I am assuming that for the majority of us, we're either trafficking toward oneness and we're in, or we're in it. Like, we, we want it or we have it or we wish we didn't. You should wish maybe we should call a series that. So, so, so that's kind, kind of the idea here. And what, I guess what I want to get you thinking about is, why oneness? What were you after? Was it sex? I mean, was that, was that the driving force of sex and lots of it? What, 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 was it your dating life? Was there this sense of, like, did you develop this apprehension, like, there's going to be a Friday night and I'm not going to have anyone to go to the movies with. I better get married so I can have someone to go to the movies with every Friday. Now, if you're giggling, it's because you know that the death knell to your dating life is your marriage. Right? And... <laughs> That's sometimes a sad commentary, but the fact remains that if, if your idea of marriage is to have these kind of heightened adrenaline, like lots and lots of euphoria, because every Friday night you're going to go do something exciting and it's this endless adventure, then don't get married. <laughs> Why? Was it family? Probably some of you, you dreamt of a family from the time you were little. And yet even still, even if that's where you land, I'll bet we can drill down a little deeper. And I guess this is where I want to ask the question, could, could it be... That though you maybe couldn't even have put it in these words, was there this undeniable and at times unexplainable desire to experience the adventure of life with this other person? That you understood life was dynamic and at times scary and at times exhilarating? That you understood that there was all these things and that you just, you just had this desire to experience with this other? Could it be that that's what started this whole thing? And it strikes me that, that if, if that has any truth to it, it seems like Genesis, it, it, it hints in the same direction in the very first conversation about marriage in Genesis chapter 2. Now, uh, before I say this, th- 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 there probably is a place where it's important to talk about whether or not these are literal characters or not or, or you know, all those types of questions. I don't think this is the one. I also don't think it's the time to get caught up in the gender realities of these verses Because what we have to acknowledge at the very least is at the time they were written, they were extraordinarily progressive, even though they look barbaric in our times. So don't get caught up in that. Let's look at the 30,000-foot picture here. 
Verse 8. Now the Lord God planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. Now garden is raw materials, endless options, and there he put this person. And verse 15 expands on that. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Now I think tragically we often associate work uh, with something bad. What you have here is, 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 is this pre-bad state, perfectly connected with God, and, and there's this endless mountain of Legos, and God's going like, let's build something together. One theologian says, God was looking for creation partners. He's looking for people to move the creation forward with. He's looking for people who, who will add to and move forward the, this entire creation project. It starts in a garden, and it ends in a city. But then look at verse 18. The Lord God said... It is not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a suitable helper for him. Now notice it doesn't say I'll make someone to to wash his dishes. That's that's not what's going on here. There's a picture. And there's a picture of a God, I want to suggest, who who invites people into his creation story, co-creators. This, by the way, is why I'm repulsed by any conversations of creativity that limit it to painting and music. Because spreadsheets are creativity. And, and planting a garden, anytime we're moving things forward, it's creativity. And yet God is going, hey, listen, I don't think you're going to want to do that alone. I think you're going to want to do that with another. And I guess th- th- this morning's uh, hyper simple. I guess this morning I want to ask this one question. And that is this, is it still about sharing an adventure? To the, way, to the degree to which you think about marriage, to the way to which you think about the marriage you're in, is it still about sharing an adventure? Like when you boil it all down, is it this like life is topsy-turvy and dynamic, and I want to experience all of that with this other. Now, maybe it'd be helpful. I, I want you to picture that, that wedding that you'll attend this summer, or pity you, all six of them. <laughs> and I know we're not supposed to admit this, but don't you show up at every wedding somewhat jaded, like you're kind of jaded and you're kind of optimistic, you're kind of pessimistic and you're kind of sarcastic and there's this like, because it's, it's so neat and clean and yet you were neat and clean. Do you ever not know what to feel at a wedding? You know what I mean? Like you don't want to be that guy, but you also don't want to be that guy and you kind of feel trapped between those two guys. What's going on there? I, I, I wonder, I wonder if emotionally part of what we're seeing is life is dynamic And if we're not careful, what we're projecting here is this static existence. Two people who are at this place, and they're just going to stay in this place forever. And isn't part of the mystery and the pain of marriage the fact that those two people, no matter their experience, no matter their age, what you know is is they're they're not static beings. They're dynamic beings. That they're constantly changing. That who they are today is far different than who they'll be 10 years from now. And that could be a good thing, and that can be a painful thing. Isn't part of what you know that, that, that despite the fact that they know each other so well, there's lots they don't know. Like you know that he scratches, right? And he doesn't even know he scratches, but he f- soon will find out he scratches. It's just saying. <laughs> and you know that, that she doesn't look that good at 5 a.m. <laughs> Nor does she sound that sweet when all these strangers aren't around, right? Like... You, you know that one of them is far more controlling than the other, and that's not a bad thing, that's a thing thing, and they'll have to figure that out. 
You, 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 you know, don't you, that, that life, that, that it looks really simple and easy right now, but there's lots of change coming at them. And you know what else you know? I think you know that, that life is dynamic, that, that they're not always going to be at this stage, that someone, someone's going to end up with an injury or a diagnosis and their life will forever be different because of their medical situation. That the dream job that, that, that he thought he had to have will at some point become unfulfilling and they'll have to kind of re-navigate their, their, their lives together. You know, that there's kids who may become a part of the picture. You know that there's a stress with a job that they don't have. You know there's all these things coming at them. We talked last week about this researcher, and I highly recommend her TED Talks so much so that I'm talking about her two weeks in a row, called Esther Perel. She's a Belgian psychotherapist, and she makes the observation that in the West, every person will have multiple marriages. And then she goes on to say, just as you're about to be offended, excuse me, she goes on to say, and those marriages will either be to the same person or to several different people. Now, what is she acknowledging? Uh, In the words of Henry Cloud and John Townsend, that there's necessary endings. That as Ecclesiastes talks about, there's seasons to life and seasons come and seasons go. And part of what it means to navigate the adventure of marriage is to recognize that season's over and we're in this new one. And thus, the approach looks different. I got to have lunch with a guy this week who is stymied by the situation in which he's dealing with with his marriage. And it was this very candid, like, I don't have answers. That's why we send people to a therapist. I just have friendship. And as we talked it through an hour later, what became very clear, and we both kind of grasped hold of was the language, was, dude, when, when that person died, and this wasn't like his, a spouse, this was a family, when that person died, that season of your marriage ended. And the situation was, he was fighting for that season that was over. And she went like, no, that's a new season. And the result was their trajectory was driving them apart. See, isn't what you know when you stare at that couple that the dynamic nature of life will either pull them together or it'll drive them apart? That the dynamic realities of what it means to live in this world is is that change and unpredictability and all those things, it, it, it either wrecks us or it becomes the very thing that bonds us and this isn't limited to a conversation of marriage, is it? In fact, it gets me thinking, like, h- how are you doing with embracing the reality that, that life is dynamic? That you don't have very much control over tomorrow, not to mention next week, not to mention 10 years from now. I make light often of my own struggles with anxiety, and we're going to do a series in July called Help I Feel. Should be a blast. Uh, but, but, but one of the things that... that I've been working on really hard lately is, is the reality that uh, you can't control the future. And I had this moment here, it's been about a month ago, I'd been working on some things, I'd just come home from Boston, there were some observations made, I spent several days in close proximity with my wife, who is the courageous one in the relationship, so I had some learning that I was able to do there, and I came around this corner on Ascension where I was fairly remote, and I had this thought that I have every time I'm on a run, I'm, maybe I'm weird, maybe... Maybe I'm not, but of like, what if I see a mountain lion? Because they're out there. I mean, we, we know they're out there, right? It's, and, and by the way, for all of you who Facebooked me and said, am I the one who saw the one on Mount Helena? No, that wasn't me. So thank you for your concern. Uh, but I came around a corner, and I had the thought, and because of what I've been working on, I, I, I did something that I never do. Rather than go, don't think about that, don't think about that, which is what I do do, I thought, well, what am I going to do? 
And I actually, it was a mental discipline. Like, I'm going to plan for what am I going to do in this situation? And I don't even know if I was accurate, but I, I thought like, well, I'm going to unplug my headphones from my iPod and I'm going to hit play because that'll be noisy. I'm going to put my arms in the air. And then I couldn't decide whether stooping down to pick up a rock, whether the cost reward of that was good because you get smaller, but then you get bigger. And, 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 but as I was planning for what am I going to do, and I know I'm not the only one that's crazy, but you don't have to admit it. As I was, as I was planning for what am I going to do, there was another part of me going, what, what are you doing? You've never seen a mountain lion. You're jinxing it, right? Like, don't do that. Because now what's going to happen is if you have a plan, then you're going to see one. Does anybody else think this way? Like, don't think about worst case scenario because somehow that makes worst case scenario happen. And, and I realized in that moment, like, here is my psychosis. What I realized is I... And we have a prefrontal cortex that, like a flight simulator, simulates the future. That's what makes you uniquely human in so many ways. But it's mostly wrong. And I just had this realization in this moment of part of why I fear the future is because I've not learned to adapt to it. And what's weird is that within leadership and and some of these things, like that's what I do. But within my own personal life, I've just family of origin. Like don't think about worst case, avoid it at all costs. And what I'm realizing is that what gets us in trouble is our, our desire to predict the future. And the invitation of God couldn't be more different because the invitation of God throughout the text is you, you, you can't predict the future, but the God that proved himself faithful in that season and the God who proved himself faithful yesterday will be faithful in that next season that you're dreading. He'll be there. You know, James, I think it's in chapter 3, or is it 4, where, where he says, listen, you who say tomorrow we're going to go to this city and do this, this, or that. He's like, what, what is your life? You're like a vapor. Jesus says, why are you worrying about tomorrow? Why is there so much conversation about today? Because it seems that the, 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 the invitation of God is to stand firm in the fact that God will he'll, he'll be faithful. He'll show up. The author of Hebrews said it, said it this way, if we can have that Hebrews 13 slide. He said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. What is he saying? Like the God who got you through graduation day. He'll be there when you arrive on campus. And that day that you dreaded, you know, when you were 30 and God was faithful, he'll be faithful when you're in a different situation and you're 70. That's the Christian invitation is to trust that God will be there. Which leads me to this question, what if marriage, what if it's not about controlling the future, What if it's about a relationship where together you step into the dynamic realities of life and together learn what does it mean to know that God will be there? Not that everything will turn out right, not that nobody ever dies, but the degree to which you have dread over this future date, God will show up. He'll be there. What if marriage is about just learning together how to do that? You know, when it strikes me, that if we're not careful, especially in the evangelical context, when we talk about marriage, we talk about date nights and vacations and evening conversations, and we use words like guard and protect. And all those things, of course, have their place. But isn't marriage also about grocery shopping? Is it also about walking the dog? Is it also about getting sick together? Isn't it also about for better and for worse and good times and bad? 
Isn't it about life will be dynamic and I just want to experience all of it with this person? And so I ask the question for you, is it about the adventure or is it about the date night and, and the vacation? I mean, did, did you really get married so that you could have four dates a year and two vacations? Or was it because all that life will demand of you, you wanted to experience that with, with another? You know, as I think about me and my, my rhythms and routines, part of what, what has occurred to me in all of this is, is a routine can be a good thing, and that can also be a very dark thing. Like, it isn't a good routine. It's something that you do that gives you the strength to be prepared for the dynamic, uncontrollable realities of life. But when it becomes dark, isn't that when we confuse our routines as strengthening devices, as things that protect us from the dynamic realities of life? Like, do we, do we worship and follow God because we think that in doing so, we control the future? Or do we do that knowing that he'll be present with us in whatever future comes our way? And as you think about marriage, and, and there are those, those routine things, and, I, and I've made light of them, but they're important. You know, the dates and the vacations and the conversations, th- those, those little things, those things we don't get to do very much, those, you know, Monday routine kind of things that we could spend our entire marriage looking forward to if we're not careful, that they're important. But aren't they to strengthen the relationship so that the dynamic part is that much more enjoyable and doable? And so I guess I just want to get you thinking as we talk about one but two and separate and together, is it still about this endless adventure where together you step into an unknowable, uncontrollable future and learn together what it means to trust that the same God who gave you the emotional strength to, en- to endure your wedding day will give you the emotional strength that you'll need when one of you finally passes. That the same God who, who gave you the courage to purchase the first house will give you whatever courage you need for whatever circumstance he shows up in, but you can't project the future. You can just trust him with it. And, you know, speaking of the fact that life is dynamic, uh, I got an email on, on, on Tuesday, I believe it was, from a friend, and he totally captured all of this. He, he said uh, that the subject was marriage series, and, and what followed was he said, you forgot one thing, that marriage is stinking fun. But what makes it stinking fun is the adventure, isn't it? And it's also what can make it painful is when someone bails on the adventure with you. And also in keeping with the dynamic realities, this is the weekend where we say goodbye to Caleb, which in a family church together sense is this reminder that we're on an adventure together and lives intersect and we enjoy every moment of that. If you would like to engage further with Narrate Church, you can find contact information online, www.narratechurch.org. We would love to hear from you.